Let us pray. Gracious Lord, as we gather to hear your word this morning to us, may we be able to see ourselves as you see us. May we be willing to humble ourselves before you, living as those who follow the example of Jesus Christ, who laid aside every honor for our sake. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, at the beginning of the 90s, I worked for the United Nations for a while. And during the induction week, we were given workshops for a, for a whole week on various things. And the purpose of this workshop was to be able to guide us and help us as we interacted with other people who worked in other different United Nations agencies and the different uh, foreign governments. And some of the courses, which were all compulsory in these uh, workshops, were very interesting. So there were things like interpersonal relationship skills, the language of learning how to write a diplomatic note, how to deal with the local inhabitants of the country that you operated, personal security while you are going to do your job, and stuff like that. But there was one particular course, which was also compulsory, a whole workshop for a day, which I completely failed to understand, and it terrified me. Now, this was how to use the right cutlery when you went to a formal dinner. Now, where I grew up, we ate with spoons. We didn't have any spoons, so we ate with our hands. So the idea of having several different cultural things in front of me terrifies me. Up to today. And I can tell you that's one of the few reasons why I always take Christine with me to formal dinner so she can elbow me if I start using, <laughs> if I start using the dessert spoon for serving. You don't know how embarrassing it is to have to use the wrong kind of cutlery and have every eye at the table trained on you. It's a good thing I don't blush easily. <laughs> now, I kind of can relate to this person in our passage in the Luke Gospel who was told, my friend, this seat is uh, for somebody else more important than you, so move at the back. You can imagine him taking the walk of shame right to the back seat. So I can understand that. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, we all like being recognized when we go somewhere. We like being noticed. Even if we don't care so much about the public recognition, uh, we want the host especially to say, it's good to see you here today. We want to be noticed, but we do not want to be laughed at. And in our passage for today, our Lord lays down the ground rules of how we should behave and conduct ourselves 
when we are invited to such public functions. So I want you to visualize how it was that day. Jesus Christ is invited for dinner. This is not just a walk by, you know, small meal in a cafe on the streets of Jerusalem. Mm-mm. This was a formal dinner in the house of a Pharisee. And other religious leaders were there as well. They were there as well. And they are watching Jesus. They want to see whether he's going to observe the Sabbath laws. The whole issue here, the big problem here is observing the Sabbath day properly. But Jesus doesn't seem to be very bothered with the diplomatic restrictions that have been imposed on him. In fact, he seems to go out of his way deliberately to court trouble. Last week, Peter told us how Jesus, because he's the son of God, notices things more than other people. So he notices this woman last week who was bent for 18 years. And what does he do? He heals her on a Sabbath day. And today in our passage, he comes in into the house of this Pharisee. And he's very aware that there are other people there watching him. And the first thing he does is to heal a man who was suffering from dropsy. The Jews, the, the Pharisees wanted to watch what he was doing so that they can run and report him to the high priest in Jerusalem. But as much as they are watching Jesus, he's watching them as well. Because he wants to make observations about the human conduct. Now, I have to tell you, if you attend enough of these public or private functions, formal dinners and stuff as they are called, you'll be amazed at the things that go on. The unspoken rules of these events are the real laws that govern what is going on. If you try to ignore them or violate them, you might never be invited to dinner again. All at worst, you may risk spoiling the whole evening. But the preliminary action that goes on before the formal sit-down is what is important. So you're walking around with a glass of wine, making small chat, and you're looking at everybody and observing everybody around you. You size them up. And you start joking for positions. Positions of where the food is. You mentally calculate the distance to the bar. (laughs) You move around. And you look for recognition. You probably touch up a bit of makeup with your mirror. You look for potential mates or threats, and you mark territory. Oh, yes, the Homo sapiens is a territorial creature. But guess what? 
everybody else is watching. And they are looking. Everyone else is in the same fishbowl as you are, all swimming around. And everyone can see that move which you are making. So that's generally everybody behaves in a very conservative manner. They are waiting for somebody else to make the last move. But don't be fooled. They are watching. And they are making the observation. So this was the kind of a scenario that our Lord found himself in. On that Sunday afternoon in the Pharisee's house. And after making his observations. Using his favorite method of teaching the parables. He taught the guest and the people who were there. And there are so many lessons that can be learned. From what our Lord said that day. And if you will indulge me, I just want to share three lessons with you this morning. The first thing that we can learn from what our Lord taught was that places of honor are gained by humility. In the passage, I've forgotten your name. which was just read to us today, the guest scrambled for seats, for seats closest to the host because greater honor was awarded to people who could say that they reclined close to the guest, to the guest of honor or the important person in that house. Now remember, this is first century and there was no big dining table or chairs. People sort of sat down and reclined towards the host all the guests of honor there in front. And in this way, people schemed and maneuvered so that they can be there in front. And they acted dishonorably. Now the Pharisees were not the only people who jockeyed for positions. Now if you look at the Gospels, they are full of stories and reports of disciples themselves arguing who is more important than the other. There's a very interesting story about the mother of James and John who actually goes into Jesus to put in a good word for his boys. And she asks, is it possible, Lord, that you could have one of my sons sit at the right hand and the other one on the left hand in your kingdom? That's in Matthew 20. And in the Luke's narrative itself, the disciples even argued about which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest during the Last Supper. So in that respect, nothing has changed much during the past 2,000 years. Mankind still behaves in the same selfish and scheming manner. And the fascination, and the fascination with celebrity culture, if nothing, has only become worse. But our Lord taught that there was an alternative way. He taught that humility was a better way to gain honor. Now a friend of mine from Angola was doing his uh, PhD in economics in uh, Oxford University. And he narrated this story to me. He told me that he had been invited by the head of economics department to go for an evening meal in his house as he was just about to graduate and go back to Africa. 
Now, he spent the best part of the pre-drinks, you know, pre-dinner drinks time for one hour chatting to these slightly elderly gentlemen who had a cough and who kept on asking him to kindly go and fetch him another glass of warm water. So as dinner was being announced, this elderly gentleman handed him a card, a calling card, and asked him, please call me when you get back to Africa. Well, he put the card inside his pocket and he didn't bother looking at it until later when he was in his room. And when he looked at the card, he realized that the gentleman was the president of the World Bank. Now, he did not know if he felt more honored that he had been in his presence and he did not know it. All humbled by the fact that he had been in his presence and he could not recognize it. For one brief moment, he had gained honor with humility and he felt very wonderful. Now, our Lord taught us that those who seek honor should always take the path of humility. The way of humility is the way of honor. When we attend such events, whether wedding or birthdays, we should sit far back as we can until we are invited up front. What's my point? We get more in life if we wait to be invited up front than if we try to fix the issue by bringing ourselves in front. Now, the second thing I'd like to share with you today is about ethics. Now, our Lord taught that kindness is best spent on those who cannot repay you. Now, the opening part of the parable was directed at the guests. But the rest of the after-dinner speech was certainly aimed at the host. Jesus cautioned the host against limiting his guest lists to friends, relatives, and rich neighbors. Well, this could very easily invite him back. So Jesus instructed the host to include people in his guest list, those who at that time would be called poor, crippled, lame, and blind. What our Lord was trying to say here is, he wanted people who were at the margin of the society, people who were marginalized, to be put on that guest list. Now, perhaps most of you have seen a popular movie called uh, Bruce, uh, sorry, Evan Almighty, well, which is a, a sequel to Bruce Almighty. Now, in the movie, God... Morgan Freeman, who else, asks Evan to commit acts of random kindness if he wanted to change the world. But Jesus Christ goes a step further than this. He instructs us to do acts of kindness, not randomly, but every day and to those people who cannot be able to repay us if we really want to change the world that we live in. 
The central principle of this advice is that we should give things to people without expecting anything in return. We are to do good things irrespective and perhaps it would even be we might be it's suggested we might even be more happier if we did things to people knowingly that they can actually not be able to repay us because in that way then we can rest assured that we shall be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous in so teaching Jesus is here reversing what we call patronal ethics, where you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. He's telling you, scratch somebody else's back, even if he doesn't have hands to come and scratch yours. But I want you to note that Jesus here is not condemning normal socializing among family and friends. No, no. Far from it. We know that he himself, he enjoyed dinners at the homes of his friends, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and Peter. And when he actually began his last supper, he tells his closest companions, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Luke 22. So eating with friends is one of the joys of life. A friend, after all, is one who breaks bread with you. But fellowship among other friends and Christians should not be merely a business affair in which we collect and repay social debts. Extending hospitality of kindness to just our friend is no big deal. As Jesus points out, in the sermon on the plain earlier in Luke 6, if you to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. So let us not just invite people to dinner and to tea in our houses because they belong to our church or because we are parents in the same school with them or because we work together, because we drive taxes together, because we go to college together. Let us open our doors to those who do not stand a chance of repaying us back this favor. So Today I'm challenging every one of us here to go and do just that. Try it and see how much joy it will bring to the beneficiary. Now the final thing that I'd like to share with you is about the eternality of relationships. Our Lord taught that the social relationships we had with each other is a clear indication of our spiritual relationship with God. The point of Jesus' teaching throughout this parable was not just restricted to good table manners and ethics. Jesus wanted to be a moralist. His aim was to teach that eternal spiritual truths of how to have a relationship with God. So even when a reward for doing something good on this earth was not forthcoming immediately, 
you would rest assured knowing that you can, we will be repaid by God at the resurrection of the righteous. Grace and humility are not characteristics of people who sought honor like a lion in the jungle. Grace and humility are characteristics of people who inhabit the kingdom of God. And at least one guest during this supper made the connection between what Jesus was saying about the kingdom of God. And listen to what he said. Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now we too need to make this connection. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 20, Jesus made this point very, very clearly. He says, Unless your righteousness surpasses that one of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of God. The praise from other people is secondary to the praise of God. In the end, the final judgment, praise from God is all that matters. Jesus concludes this parable by letting us know that things will be reversed when he is the host at the meal. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Today, Chloe and Annabelle being baptized and accepting Christ, you have been set free from the burden of comparing yourselves with other friends of yours. You have been released from the forces of our culture in the society which tells you that I must have the latest toy, I must have that game. The good news for you today is that God does not look at your latest toys. God looks at your heart and how clear it is and he lifts you high up. From now on, you can live in the dependability and the grace and the love of our God. And you and every one of us here have a place at that table in front and we have been invited to come and take our front seats. Amen.